What a great day it is to be able to come together on Easter Sunday with brothers and sisters and people you love and celebrate and honor our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to follow along, there's a lesson, there's an outline of our lesson inside your program. I'd encourage you to take that and follow along with us as we look into God's Word this morning. When my wife Lunell and I first got married, we uh, lived in the little town of Thermopolis, Wyoming. We had uh, gotten a long way away from, from our family, and so didn't have many friends, didn't know very many people, and so I kind of began meeting people around town, and uh, the largest church in town was called the Community Church, and it was a little unusual. They had uh, three years, they'd have a Methodist preacher, and the next three years, they'd have a Presbyterian preacher. And uh, the year we were there, first year we got there, the uh, fellow who was the preacher there was really a character. I mean, he was always doing things and saying things, and I had friends who who uh, went to church there, and they would tell me about some of the things he did. He said on Easter Sunday that uh, he got up in the pulpit, and the first thing he said is, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And then he said, I know there's some of you I won't see again till Christmas, so I wanted to be the first one to pass on the, the greeting to you. Well, I, I, I don't know if that's going to be your case, and I hope not, because, uh, you know, the Lord has outlined the church as a way that we get spiritual strength and we can grow and be faithful in our serving of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's an interesting verse over in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, that described Jesus in these words. It said, He destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light. Jesus, he said, destroyed death. I don't guess there is any fear greater than death. I guess the thing that you and I most fear is the fact that we are going to die. In fact, that is uh, such a difficult thing to deal with that when we have a friend who dies, then we often don't know what to say to their family because it is such a touchy certain, such touch, touchy subject. Somebody said there's only two things certain, death and taxes. But you know there are certain people who don't pay taxes, but there's not anybody who gets away from death. Over in 1 Corinthians 15.26, Paul said, And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And to realize that death is an enemy. It is something that we fear and it is certainly an enemy to those of us who are alive. Well, now, first of all, if Jesus destroyed death, then why do we still die? Well, the reason we die is outlined in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. The Bible says that sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. The reason that we die is because of what Adam and Eve did. That is, they sinned against God in the very beginning, and they were then cut off from what we know of as the tree of life. As long as they had access to the tree of life, they were going to be able to live. But when they sinned, God then cut them off from the tree of life, and death then ensued upon us. Did you know that um, one of the most successful industries in our country is that of life insurance. But did you know that uh, when it was first introduced that it was not called life insurance, it was called death insurance. And when it was called death insurance, nobody bought it. 
And finally, there was uh, some wise businessman that said we need to change the name of it from death insurance or to life insurance. And when the name was changed to life insurance, then people bought it, realizing that uh, it was not death insurance, although that we still are going to die. You know, when you die, the uh, coroner will write on your death certificate the cause of your death whether it be cancer or heart attack or whatever it might be. But if he really wanted to write the true cause of death, it would be because of sin. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, that's why we die, because we're cut off from the tree of life. Well, the second thing I want to ask is, well now, in what sense did Jesus Christ destroy death? Now, the word destroy here means to render powerless. That is, when Jesus came out of the tomb, He then broke the curse and the power that death has over us. Over in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, Jesus said, I hold the key to death and Hades. Hades being the unseen world when a person dies. Jesus said, but I hold the key to death. Now, I wonder how many of you locked your houses when you left this morning. Now, if somebody had the key, then they would be able to go into your house and they would be able to steal whatever it is that they wanted to steal if they had the key. I wonder how many of you locked your cars this morning. Now, if somebody had the key to your car, then you might go out there and find your car missing because they had the key. Jesus said, and I have the key to death. That is, I am one who has authority over death because of who I am and because of what I did for you. You know, there are numerous major religions, four primary ones, though, that we know in our world today. And these religions, not any of their leaders have done anything like what Christ did. Now, if you wanted to think of who was the founder of Judaism, probably you would go back to the days of Abraham. And Abraham died in 1900 B.C. And when Abraham died, he was buried in a special cave known as the Cave of Machpelah, where earlier he had buried his wife Sarah. Now, if you would go to the cave of Machpelah today, you couldn't see it. And the reason is that there is a mosque that has been built over where Abraham was buried. Not only is it called the cave of Machpelah, sometimes it's called the cave of the patriarchs. And in addition to Abraham, it also was the buried place of Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Leah. And you have to be a Muslim in order to be able to enter the tomb and see the place where Abraham is buried. But if uh, things go as you would have thought, then there is probably nothing but dust inside of that cave now in that tomb where it was that Abraham was buried. But one thing about it, Abraham did not ever come out alive but he is still buried in that tomb, and his body is to be found there. And then there is the religion of the Buddhist. Now, the Buddhist is a religion that uh, is spread all over the world. The man who was the Buddhist died 
at the age of 80. And the word Buddha simply means the enlightened one. And he was buried, uh, he, was, he died in 483 B.C., and his body was cremated. Nobody knows really where the ashes of he, uh, the ashes of Buddha are to be found. But one thing for sure is, he's not alive anymore, and he did not come out of that uh, place that he was cremated alive. And then there is Islam, and we know quite a bit about Islam because of the things that have been happening in our country. And its founder was Mohammed, and Mohammed died on June the sixth, six thirty-two A.D. And he was buried in a tomb in Medina, Saudi Arabia. And many people make a pilgrims there every year to see the tomb where he is buried. But he still is in that tomb. But that's not the case with Jesus Christ. Jesus died about 33 A.D. and was buried in Jerusalem in a tomb that belonged to Joseph of Arimathea, according to John 19.38, but three days later, Jesus Christ came out of that tomb, and He was alive. And for the next 40 days, there were over 500 people who saw Jesus alive. And so as a result, death has a new meaning when we come to Jesus. Over in the book of John, chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, there's an interesting story that Jesus has a good friend by the name of Lazarus who dies. And Jesus comes to uh, the home to visit, and they've already buried him four days earlier. And he comes to the home, and he's met by the two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Martha says, Lord, if you'd been here, then my brother would not have died. And Jesus gave these words. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now that's kind of a difficult passage really to look at. But Jesus, as he talked, helped us understand that there are two kinds of death. There is the physical death that we all experience. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says that we were people who are all going to experience physical death. But there is also a second death. And that is what we would call spiritual death. Over in the book of Revelation chapter 21, verse 8 says that people who are dying without believing in Jesus they are going to experience the second death, which is the lake of fire and brimstone. But we need to know this. We don't have to worry because we are all going to be resurrected. If you've got your Bible over in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, we find these words that come from the lips of our Lord concerning what's going to happen. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in the graves, will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. And that is the second death. Now we will all undergo the first death, but those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, they will escape 
the second death. What a sad thing it is to know that there are some who have an opportunity to believe in Jesus and put their faith in Him and escape the second death, but they're never going to do so because of a lack of belief. I guess probably the most famous scientist in America during his 80s and 90s was a man by the name of Carl Sagan. He was an astronomy professor at Cornell, but he was an unbeliever. And after his death, people went to his wife to see was there any change in him as he approached death and knew that he was about to die at age 62 from cancer. And this is what his wife said. There was no deathbed conversion, no appeal to God, no hope for an afterlife, no pretending that he and I who had been almost inseparable for 20 years were not saying goodbye forever. What a sad thing to think that death marked something that could have been a great day for being resurrected and being alive and living with Jesus or ending up finding yourself away from Jesus in the lake of fire and brimstone. Consider these facts, if you will, then, about Jesus. You know, there are some things that don't come out exactly the way that you expected them to come out. I think of the football coach who had a big game, and lo and behold, in the first quarter, his first-string quarterback broke his leg. They went on, and as the game went on, the second-string quarterback went in, and he got tackled hard, and he got a concussion. And lo and behold, the only one left was the third-string quarterback, who was also the punter. Well, the opposite team kicked the ball, and they kicked it to their two-yard line, and he didn't have any choice. He had to send in his third-string quarterback on the two-yard line, and the game was in doubt. And he said, son, he said, here's my point. On the first play, I want you to let the fullback, Kowalski, go off right tackle. And on the second play, I want you to let Kowalski go off the left tackle. And then on third down, I want you to kick that ball as far as you can to get that thing away from our goal line. Do you understand? He said, yes, coach, I understand. And he sent him in. And lo and behold, the first play, he called Kowalski off right tackle, and he broke through the line and made a 50-yard run. Wow. He lined up again. He called Kowalski off left tackle, and he broke loose again and ran down to the two-yard line and was tackled. And then he called the third play. He lined up, and he reeked the ball and the guy booted that ball clear out of the stadium. He came off the side, and the coach said, What in the world were you thinking? And he said, What I was thinking is, I've got the dumbest coach in the world. <laughs> you know, sometimes things don't exactly turn out the way that you intended them to turn out. Well, you know, that's what we find over in Luke chapter uh, 18. If you've got a Bible and want to look with me, Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 31 we find that Jesus is with His disciples and He gives them some words. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock Him, insult Him, spit on Him. They will flog Him and kill Him. But on the third day, He will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Now, when you read that, you wonder, well, 
What was there to not understand? Did they not understand what these words were that Jesus here had spoken to them about what it was that was going to take place? And that is that He would be insulted, that He would be mocked, that He would be one that would be flogged, and He was going to be killed, and then on the third day, He's going to rise again. Jesus said, that's, that's what's going to happen. And why do you guys not understand it? Can, I, can you not get a hold of it? Because what I have said is going to take place. I am going to rise on the third day after they kill me. You know, the disciples of Jesus were loving the Lord, but they just sometimes couldn't get a hold of it. Uh, John Maxville is one of the uh, best-known trainers of leaders in churches uh, in the world. And uh, he told this story. He said, I went to uh, Nordstrom's and bought a blazer. Now, Nordstrom's is one of the, we don't have one in Amarillo, but it's one of the largest department stores in the country. Uh, it's found in 39 states and in Canada. And, and they have a uh, return policy that says you can return anything that you've bought, no matter how long it is, no questions asked. Well, Maxwell said he got this blazer, and he said, you know, it didn't really fit him right, and he, he didn't really like the color of it too well, and boy, it would just pick up lint like you would imagine. So he said, you know, I, I wore it a few times, I put it in my, my uh, closet, and I thought, you know, I just don't like that thing. But then he said, I'd need a blazer, and I'd have to get that thing out and wear it, and he said, I did that for over a year, and finally I decided... You know, I'm going to take this thing back. I don't know if they're going to receive it or not, but they've got a 100% no questions asked return policy, and I'm going to see if they really will. So he uh, made sure that he got some extra lint on it, and he took it down to Nordstrom's, and when he walked in, the uh, first salesman that came up to him, he said, you know, I've come to put your return policy to the ultimate test. He said, I have had this blazer for over a year. I don't like the color. It's bad about taking up lint. And I want to know if you're going to take it back like you say you will. The salesman said, why, why have you waited so long? Sure we will. Let's get you a blazer. And he said, uh, he went in and they looked at a blazer and got him a nice blazer. He said it cost $75 more than the one that he had bought. And he walked out of there in a brand new blazer, just as happy as could be, because Nordstrom had kept their word. And they had done exactly what they had said they would do, and that is they would take it back, no questions asked. You know, that's the way Jesus is. Jesus said, I want you to take, take what I have given to you, no questions asked. You don't have to worry about it. I have told you, I'm going to rise on the third day, and I want you to believe it and know it and put your hope in that because I am going to destroy the fear of death. And you don't have to worry about it any longer. And because Jesus Christ arose, we can arise. Now let me ask you, do you believe that? Let me ask you to do something with me, if you will, today. I'd like, if you would, please, everybody to just stand, if it's at all possible for you to do so. 
stand where you are. And I've got six questions I want to ask you. And at the end, I want you to give your answer. And I hope your answer is that we will say in unison, I believe. Question number one. Do you believe with all your hearts that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came from heaven to live on this earth 2,000 years ago? And your answer is, I believe. Number two. Do you believe that when He died on the cross, He died in your place, bearing your punishment and paying for your sins? And the answer is, I believe. Number three. Do you believe that on Easter Sunday morning, He literally, physically, bodily rose from the dead, never to die again? And your answer is, I believe. Number four. Do you believe that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God the Father? And your answer is, I believe. Number five, do you believe that Jesus is truly the resurrection and the life, and that He is able to remove the terror of death for those who believe in Him? And your answer is, I believe. Question number six, I hope your answer is, I am. Are you willing to stake your life on your answer to the first questions? And your answer is, I am. You know, you and I have got something wonderful to believe. And that is that even as Jesus Christ arose, we will arise. And the fear of death can be removed because we have put our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning and maybe there's a way we could be of encouragement to you. Maybe you'd like to come and say, you know, I'd like to be a part of this church. Or maybe you'd like to come today and confess your faith and be baptized into Christ. I'll be up here at the front and our elders will be at the back. And if there's any way that we can be of service to you today, if you'd like to come, why don't you do it right now as we sing together?